If you have your Bibles tonight, I need you to turn to the second chapter of Luke. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 20, but we're not going to read all those verses. Do not be alarmed. We're not going to do verse by verse here. Okay? Uh, But, of course, a very familiar story. In Luke chapter 2, starting with verse number 1, this is what the Bible says. And it says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all uh, the world should be taxed. Now, understand the word uh, tax uh, can also be substituted for a census. And so the decree uh, went out. They were doing a census. Now, understand the census was going to be used so for the purpose of taxing later on. Uh, so uh, that uh, there should be tax. So uh, the Bible goes on and says in, uh, that this taxing was first made uh, when Cyrenius uh, was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee uh, out of the city of Nazareth uh, into Judea uh, into the uh, city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, uh, being great with child. And so it was that while uh, they were there, the days were accomplished that, the, that she should uh, be delivered, in verse number 7, and she, uh, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now, we're going to look uh, just, uh, just a, a short time. We're going to look at no-shows at the Nativity. Now, I believe Matt and the guys in the back have, uh, uh, well, they're going to uh, show some uh, Nativity scenes. I don't know about you, but I, I enjoy nativity scenes. And uh, we have traditional nativity scenes, and we have some that uh, even include the wise men. And, uh, of course, we know that the wise men, they didn't come to maybe two years later after the fact. One of the, 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 the most beautiful nativity scenes that I've ever uh, have seen is when I was in Israel. And we went and uh, we went to a, a place where they saw uh, olive wood and they had all kinds of things made out of olive wood. And one of the ones that was very striking was a nativity scene. It was a pretty large nativity scene. It was quite impressive, very detailed oriented. And I was just, uh, I thought, boy, I wish I could uh, bring this back home. And, of course, I didn't have the uh, luggage. And I thought, well, they uh, had uh, announced that they would ship to your house. And, and I started looking, and I thought, man, this will be pretty cool. And then I looked at the price tag. <laughs> they were wanting, in American dollars, $20,000 for this nativity scene. I decided that I would not buy the nativity scene. But it was a gorgeous nativity scene. 
And we see that uh, maybe you have one in your yard or uh, in various places there. But as we read this story, we're going to see this is the first nativity scene. We all, in the traditional one, we see Mary and Joseph, of course, uh, the little baby Jesus, and there's some animals, and there's the shepherds, and then there's the star. Uh, we have all kinds of variations of the nativity scene. Oh, uh, we had one in our, our music program, our, our little children dressed up like the animals and all of that. And, and that's all well and good. But here, uh, we're not quite as familiar with those who are no-shows at the nativity. But because they were no-shows did not mean they did not factor into the first Christmas story. The first thing that we see uh, is Caesar Augustus. Now, Caesar Augustus, the Bible says that uh, he made a decree. He uh, said that everyone is going to have to go uh, and they're going to do a census. And, and we see that he did not have in his mind that he was going to be a part of the fulfillment of Micah 5.2. Didn't have that in mind. Matter of fact, in Micah 5, 2, the, uh, the Bible tells us uh, that uh, there would be someone uh, that would be born in Bethlehem. And of course, that's making reference to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I also want you to understand, Jesus uh, or, or the Lord did not decide, uh, God did not decide, uh, okay, I'm going to go ahead and plan this thing because I know every 14 years they're going to have a census. No, because this plan that God had uh, was formed before the foundations of the world. But we see that God had a plan before the foundations of the world. It's always been God's plan that Jesus was going to be born and Jesus was going to die and Jesus was going to be buried, but on the third day He was going to be raised in victory. It's always been God's plan that Jesus Christ was the only way unto salvation and He's still the only way into salvation today. No matter what anyone else says, Jesus is the way. He's not a way. He's not equal, Muhammad. He's not equal with all the other uh, religions that are around in the, going around in the world. He is the only way. But notice, Caesar Augustus is not in the nativity, but he played a very vital part. See, Caesar Augustus, because of his decree, was helping to fulfill that prophecy in Micah 5 2. But also we know Caesar Augustus, uh, they're under Roman Empire now. And the Roman Empire was very instrumental in getting the gospel out. If you study Roman Empire, one of the things that they were known for is their road system. They had good roads. Matter of fact, in many parts of the world and even in parts of Israel, you will still see some of the roads that they built uh, back during that time because they were good at building roads. And one of the things that we understand why the gospel was able to be expedited in such a way was because of the road system that the Roman Empire had, had built. Did they have that in mind when they built their roads? No. But see, God has a plan. And God understood that there was come a time and God knew that the gospel was going to be spread. And even with those who are not even aware of it, God still included them in that plan. 
Not only did they have good roads, but also the Greek language. And because of the Greek language, we now have translation uh, from the Latin and, and from the other languages now. Now we see that that expedited, and because of that region where most of the people were speaking Greek, now the gospel is being spread even more so. Caesar Augustus, he was a no-show at the Nativity, but he played a very strong part in the first Christmas story. So Caesar Augustus. But notice here in verse number uh, 6. In verse number 6 it says, "...in the days that were accomplished." As I've already alluded to of the days of, that were accomplished, the days were God knew back before the foundations of the world, God knew that there was going to be a census taken every 14 years. And when He knew that the Lord was going to be born, He understood that He was going to be able to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem and he was going to go ahead and the prophet Micah went ahead and foretold of that. And now we see the fulfillment of Micah 5.2 because of Caesar Augustus. But there's a second one that was not there that was a no-show at the Nativity. If you notice in verses, start, uh, verse, uh, starting with verse number 8 going through a verse, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, verse number 7. It said that uh, they uh, got to Bethlehem. By the way, Bethlehem has a rich, rich history. You'll notice in Micah 5, 2, that it makes mention of Bethlehem, Ithrata. That is another name. It's an older name for Bethlehem. We see that that uh, Bethlehem uh, was called that, and the first indication that we get of its existence was a letter that was written from the king of Palestine uh, to an Egyptian uh, pharaoh around 1250 B.C. That would be about the time of Judges. See, God doesn't do anything happen chance. There is no coincidence in God's plan. God had all this planned out. And, and so Bethlehem, of course, we know Bethlehem. It's the birthplace of David. We also know Bethlehem is where Ruth had her home. She had a home there in Bethlehem. We also know that Rachel is buried uh, very uh, close uh, there in Bethlehem, uh, Bethlehem. But we see now as they go to Bethlehem, the Bible tells us in verse number 7 that they had no room at the inn. Now understand, back in those times, uh, it was not like uh, the Marriott or Holiday Inn. The inn that they're referring to here uh, would be a, like an open courtyard. And around this open courtyard, they will allow people that were traveling through to go ahead and bed down. But then they also had some enclosed uh, rooms off to the side and probably had some awning covered that. And the Bible says that they went and the innkeeper said, I don't have any room. And probably he was telling the truth. But here's the question that must be raised. He had his room. Why didn't he offer his room? Ever thought about that? He might not have had any room anywhere else, but he had his room. And this Christmas Eve, could it be that we've gotten so busy 
doing the things that the world says you need to do to celebrate Christmas, could it be that some of us, even though we have a good understanding of what Christmas is really all about, but because of our busyness and because we're so involved with our own personal things going on that we leave no room for Jesus? The Bible says, uh, the innkeeper said, uh, he was indifferent to their plight. Now understand, Mary, the Bible says she is great with child. Uh, if you wanted to translate into redneck, she was about to pop. I mean, there is no question this woman is a pregnant woman. But this innkeeper, for whatever reason, didn't, was not moved for their circumstances. I'm telling you, it's amazing to me that we live in a society today that we'll get all emotional about little lost dogs or dogs that are in the kennel don't have any home. and They'll start playing that music that kind of gets to your emotions. And we'll have more compassion for dogs and other animals. And I have nothing against them. But yet we have people that are living across the street from us that we're not moved, that they're lost in dying and going to hell this Christmas we need to be reminded we could be like a no show we could be like the innkeeper and not have room for Jesus and if we don't have room for Jesus then we've totally missed what Christmas is about but then we go on and see, starting in verses 8 through 18. Now, this is, I'm weird, I know that, but this is the part that I just kind of get a little tickled about. This talks about the shepherds. The shepherds are out abiding in their field. Now, understand, there's no street lights, it's dark. And they're out there with their sheep. It's very quiet. Every once in a while, you'll hear a man, man. But basically, they're out there by themselves. They're out there in the boonies. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that where a great light came upon them. But I like what the Bible says. The Bible says when they saw this great light and they heard the angel's voice, <laughs> they were afraid. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you I would probably do the same thing. I'm out there in the, uh, the fields. I'm uh, fixing to go uh, to sleep. And all of a sudden, the place lights up like uh, Vegas. I mean, there's light. And then I hear the angels saying, and then hear the angels say, Oh, don't fear. And I'm thinking, Oh, yeah, that's easy for you to say. <laughs> but that's what happened. And they had the message. The angel brought the message. There is a babe born in Bethlehem. But notice the reply. The reply here of the shepherds is they didn't go ahead and get a little committee together and say, okay, boys, what do you think we ought to do with this information? Now, we know it's a, a, uh, you know, a little ways back there. It's dark. We can't leave our sheep unattended. We, uh, we've got to make arrangements. Somebody's got to watch over the sheep. We can't just let them go wandering around. You know how sheep are. They'll get lost, and then we have to go find them. Uh, they, they didn't go and sit around and say, well, let's just wait till in the morning, and just, just one or two of us will go, and then the rest of us can stay. They didn't have any. The Bible does not record. They had any discussion on what they did. The Bible says they immediately went. We heard it this morning, did we not? If you've been saved, 
you have a story to tell. And it's a story that the lost and dying world is in dire need of. And the Bible gives us clear indication of what we're to do with this good news. The Bible says we go immediately. We don't hesitate. Now, I've been guilty just like many of you have. You know this, and you haven't told anybody else, but I know it's happened to you. You've been going down the road, and all of a sudden, somebody's name comes to your mind. You don't know why that name came to your mind. Uh, You're going down, that you didn't have any thought about this particular person, but they came to your mind. And, and, you're, and you, you, you know that maybe they're your neighbor. Maybe they're a co-worker. You know by all indications they're lost and, and, and they're on their way to hell. And you know that you're supposed to go and tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. By the way, notice how the shepherds went. The shepherds didn't have any scripture. The shepherds just went and told what they experienced. That's a pretty good way to testify to someone. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't know Scripture. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is a lost person who has no peace, who has no joy, they know that something's missing in their life. When you go and tell them personally what God did for you, it will speak volumes to them. And go immediately... You've done it just like I have. Many of us have quenched the Spirit. God's told us. God laid it upon our hearts, but we came up with all kinds of excuses. Notice the shepherds. They went immediately and told. Now, notice who they told. They didn't have a target audience. The contemporary church, uh, church growth, uh, I came across this information. There are many churches uh, that are coming into being uh, and they have a target group that they're going over. There's a church that they're going after the millennials. And that's what they're concerned with. They're going after a particular uh, demographics. But the Bible here in the story of the shepherds tells us that we should have a target audience, but our target audience should be every boy and girl, man and woman who's lost and dying and going to hell, that they need the good news of Jesus Christ. I think that's one of the silliest things I've ever... God never intended for us to just pick out a certain section of society to go after. He expected us to go to everyone and tell the good news of Jesus Christ because everybody needs to know Jesus Christ is their personal Lord and Savior. But then the God... Now notice the Bible there in verse number 18. It said, the people heard the message and they marveled or they wondered... Or another way to say it is they were impressed. They didn't uh, say, I don't want to hear that. They were uh, very interested in the message that they had to tell. Now, understand, here's these shepherds. Also, the shepherds were the outcasts of society. We've already talked about that in an earlier sermon. Uh, they couldn't even testify in court. They couldn't go and be a part of some of the uh, ceremonial rituals at the temple. Uh, the, The shepherds were as low as you could go. But notice that when they went, they were interested, they were impressed, they marveled at this message. But they didn't do anything with it. 
Many people this Christmas are going to hear the message of Jesus Christ. They're going to hear about, uh, even in, uh, I was watching television the other uh, day, and I, I've been listening to a, a new station that I personally found. It's I-24. And I-24, uh, it's based out of Israel, and it's a 24-hour, around-the-clock uh, news. But they do more than news. But they were talking about, uh, about the Christians being pushed out. And they were talking about Bethlehem. They were doing a special in Bethlehem. Uh, back some time ago, uh, Bethlehem, uh, the, the Christian population was over 20%. Today, it's about 3%. They're being pushed out. Syria, we all know about Syria. Syria uh, at one time uh, was, uh, had a large Christian uh, community. Now uh, they're just about uh, have all left because of the war and because of ISIS and, and, and the other uh, Muslim groups and faction groups. But, but here we see that uh, Bethlehem, and they went and told this story, and they marveled at it, and they were talking about in this newscast, they were talking about, This is where Christians, talking about Christmas, this is where uh, Christians celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. They believe that Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem and they went on and they told. Now, I don't know if they meant to do this or they were just going to go ahead and tell the story, but they said and they also believe uh, that he died upon a cross and they also believe that he was buried in a tomb. They also believe that he rose from the dead and they also believe that he's come and coming again. This was, now was that an intent? No. But people that were watching this heard the Christmas story. But they marvel and that's all they do. See, it's one thing to hear and many of us Uh, have taken for granted. Many of you grew up, even when you were lost, you can remember going to church and you heard the gospel and you heard the gospel and you heard the gospel. Many times over when I was going to my grandmom's church, I would hear the gospel. I would hear about the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I marveled. I thought it was an interesting story, but I did not do anything with it until I was 26 years old. And praise God, I finally got it. And I finally realized I was in need of a Savior and the only way I could have a salvation is not because I went to church, not because I knew the story, not because I marveled at the story, not because I didn't have anything against the story. What helped me to understand is I need to personally invite Jesus Christ into my heart and into my life. I need to repent of my sin. I need to confess my sins and I need to call upon His wonderful name. And the Bible was quite clear. When you do that, then you're saved. Many times over, they hear the Christmas story, but they only marvel. They don't act upon it. And so there was those, they were not a no-show at the nativity, uh, but they were a part of the Christmas story. But the last group is in verse number 21. And in verse number 21... The Bible says that they took Jesus on the eighth day to be circumcised. Now, the one who was doing the circumcision was the rabbi. Now, understand, the rabbi knew Scripture. That's what they did. 
They knew the Old Testament. They, they, they uh, even uh, today, when you go to an Orthodox service and went to one uh, just a, a couple of months ago, and uh, they were reading from the Torah, and then after the Torah, uh, after some prayers and some singing, they went to the book of the prophets. And the prophet that they spoke from uh, was the prophet Isaiah. Now, catch the picture here. Here's the rabbi. He knows about this boy that's coming to him. Oh, word's getting out. There, there's, a, there, there's a baby born, and, and they're saying that his name is Jesus. I mean, the word's getting out. The rabbi under, heard these same stories. And so when they're going to bring Jesus, and he's going to be circumcised. He had his hand upon the Holy One, but he missed why he came. See, the rabbi understood the Old Testament. And could it be, if he was open, if you will, uh, that he would understand that here's this baby that Isaiah chapter 7 verse number 14 talked about. In Isaiah chapter 7 verse number 14, the Bible says there, prophesying here, Isaiah said, he will be born of a virgin. Don't you think the word got out that this baby was born of a virgin? Of course it was. I mean, that was news. Everybody, he was born of a virgin. Now, that doesn't mean that they understood, and they didn't accept, but they understood this. He was born of a virgin. Here, Isaiah 17, uh, verse 14 uh, says that he would be born of a virgin, and they will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. But also, if you go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6, the Bible here, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, talks about uh, there will be a, a son born, and they would call him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But then you go to Isaiah chapter 11, verse number 1, where it says, And he will be born, talking about Jesus, he will be born out of the rod, uh, uh, rod of the stem of Jesse. He, they knew where this boy's lineage was. The rabbi understood the prophet Isaiah. And there was the fulfillment of the prophet Isaiah right before his eyes, and he still missed it. Still missed it. But then we don't stop there. He also, I'm sure, knew about Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 23 verse number 5 says that he will come for David or come out of the house of David and he will be a righteous branch. He will be a righteous branch. Now, here's the rabbi. He knew. He knew of Isaiah. And here he still didn't get it. Now remember when I said Bethlehem was also uh, called by another name. Of course, Bethlehem, the name means the house of bread. How fitting it is that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was born on Christmas in a town called House of Bread. Well, later on, this little baby said, I'm the bread of life. But then the other name, the old name that was given to Bethlehem before the name changed, that name means place of righteousness. Amen. All through the scriptures in Isaiah and going into Jeremiah, uh, you'll hear about that term that he'll be the root of Jesse. talks about he'll be the branch of righteousness. This same baby 
in John chapter 14 will stop his disciples in the vineyard. And as they stop in the middle of the vineyard, he would look at them and he says, I am the van. You are the branches. And if you're attached to this stem, you'll have eternal life. If you abide in me and I abide in you. See, this Christmas story, we had a bunch of no-shows. But these no-shows were all a part of what Christmas is about. Caesar Augustus didn't have a clue when he sent that decree. But God used that to bring about that he would be born in Bethlehem just like the prophet said he would. Second of all, we see that there was the innkeeper. The innkeeper was indifferent, didn't have compassion for them. And if we're not careful, we'll not make room for Jesus this Christmas as well. But then we'll see there could be some here. You've heard the wonderful message. There is a Savior born. And as we've been told and told quite well this morning, He was going to be born so that He would die. And the reason why He was going to die is so that you could live and that you could be born again. The Bible says He was wrapped in swaddling clothes, long sheets that would wrap them very tightly around a newborn baby it would restrict their move, but we've also been told it was the help aid in their development. But as that baby was wrapped in swaddling clothes, that just shows the humble beginnings that he had. Jesus was humbled because he stepped out of heaven and put on flesh and blood so that he could walk amongst us so that we could go free. He paid it all for us. But then we also see that maybe we have grasped it, we know it, but yet we're still missing it. We we have the Scripture, we can quote the Scripture, we can memorize the Scripture, and we've we're even in and, and we're attending and, and, and on the outside it looks like we're getting it but there's something quite not quite clicking inside and could it be it's not a question do you know him it's not a question to have you called upon him but the question is have you totally surrendered to him total surrender Lord Jesus It's not my life anymore. It's your life. You're in charge now, Lord Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, wherever you tell me to go, I'll go. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. Wouldn't that be a wonderful Christmas present for you that you've been so bound up and you got so caught up on how the world celebrates Christmas Wouldn't it be a wonderful gift that you came to a place in your life where you said, I'm all years. I'm all years. Not my will, but your will be done. The no-shows at the nativity. Well, I don't want to be a no-show. I want to be a no-so.
I know what God's plan and purpose is for my life. I want to know, and there's no question about it, that I, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I don't want to have any inkling of a doubt to where I'm going to go when he's done with me here. I want to be a no-so. So this Christmas, as we looked at the nativity, the first nativity, we see these group of people that were no-shows. And wouldn't it be tragic tonight as we close that you might have showed up, but you really didn't show up. You're, you're here, but your mind is a hundred other places. And you have heard from God tonight. And you know what you need to do. I'm telling you. I talked to Abigail and, and, and Drain up there and I said, man, this is wonderful. I said, it's Christmas Eve and you guys are getting baptized. I said, you'll never forget this day. And both of them, without hesitation, said, yep. Isn't that, I mean, isn't that a wonderful thing to know that you got it all taken care of? It makes your Christmas a lot brighter. And my fact, it'll take a lot of stress out of your Christmas when you're realizing what Christmas is really all about. It's to celebrate not just the birth, but the death and the resurrection and the soon coming of our Lord Jesus. Again, that's what Christmas is about tonight.